life of Jesus that um, so much of what we see in his teachings, you realize never happened in a formal, quote unquote, church setting. Right. Yeah. When we look at the, when we, when you look at the, I mean, it's always, I mean, it's cool. And please, like, I love that we record our, our messages here and we do the podcast and I love all the, the tapes and books and CDs or whatever it is that's out there. But you realize that all that was recorded of Jesus, he, he didn't do it in a formal setting. Like there's only one recorded sermon of Jesus. It's the Sermon on the Mount. Right, And if you ever read it from start to finish and just read it in a normal voice, it takes you about 22, 23 minutes to finish. And some of y'all say, amen, Brad, learn from Jesus. <laughs> learn from Jesus, go short. But I mean, uh, does that make sense? I just encourage you to realize that while we do certain things like we do, like the coffee break times and really encourage talking is as much more of Christianity is to happen outside of what we've called formal Christianity. Yeah. Right. So much, there's so much more life on the outside of Sundays and Thursdays or Wednesdays and that our faith was best meant to, or, yeah, to be shared right outside of here than in here. Does that make sense? Yes. Y'all look at me all right? Yeah. It, it, is, it, is, it is more, it was designed by God to be shared in conversation. Right, not just in public preaching. Now, please hear me. We need public preaching. I'm not against public preaching. I'm not saying public preaching is, is wrong. But I think what we've done is we're kind of like the person we're walking with a limp, right? Yeah. <laughs> we depend so much on public preaching that we limp. And we have to remember that in our current culture, over 50% of our population will never come to our churches, no matter how schmick or cool or friendly we make them. They're just not going to come, right? Does that make sense? And Jesus told us that when he said, okay, now you go. You go to the highways. You go to the byways. You go to the people. You go, and you compel them to come in. Not into church, but into him. You compel them to come to him. Does that make sense? We, we do not, uh, the, the world around us, those who have yet to receive Jesus, they do not have a command to come to church. I know that hurts our feelings. Y'all look at me kind of funny like, well, just pop the clutch, Brad, why don't you do that? I mean, you realize that the, the, church, the church around us, the, or the world around us does not have a command to come to church, right? Now, we as believers have a command to go to the world, right? Our command is to go to them. Their command is not to come to us, right? And we have to remember that, right? Because in our modern church age, we've kind of flipped the script on the world, We've told the world, you better get over to church and be a good little boy or a good little girl, right, and come to church all the time. To the degree, as we've said, you ask people about how, how are they with God, how is your relationship with God, and people will typically answer you with, well, I don't go to church as often as I should, right? I didn't ask you about your church attendance. How are you with Jesus, right? Do you believe in Jesus? Do you know who Jesus is? Do you know what he did? Do you understand the depth of it, right? And does that make sense? And so I just say that because this is what we're talking about what we're doing. So go to uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 8 again, maybe. No, I'm just teasing. Chris is picking on me. So what verse are you going to tell us to go to that we'll never go to, Brad? We're going to endeavor to start in first or second Corinthians and then we'll see what happens to us. No, it's a good second Corinthians chapter eight. And we've been talking about who is in your heart. So I'm going to keep posing that question throughout the times that I teach for a little while. And so I'm going to ask you who's in your heart. Now this week I'm going to do a little bit different. How many of you can raise your hand and say, I'm beginning to see who they are. Anybody here can tell me who's in your heart. Who is the Lord? Been, we've been talking about this for a couple of weeks now. Right. Who is in your heart? And again, here soon in the next few weeks, not publicly, but I will saddle up next to you and give you a little elbow and say, now tell me who they are. And, and I'm, I want to know names. I want to know who they are. Not because I'm trying to be sneaky or nothing, but I just want to make sure you're engaging with what God is endeavoring, us to, endeavoring for us to do because it's important. Because the Lord is putting people in your heart. So that you can do what we just talked. So you can bring them to him. Some of those people 
how many of you, the people in your heart, they don't know Jesus yet? Can anybody be bold enough to, anybody got somebody in their heart? A couple of you that have some people in their heart that those folks, yeah, they don't know Jesus yet. Okay. How many of you, there are folks that know Jesus, but they're not real close to Jesus. Right. <laughs> right. So that helps you. And the reason why I say that is, is you can identify and that's then what the Lord is putting you there for. Right. If you see somebody and the person that God's put in your heart and they don't know Jesus, well, that's where you start. And that's how your prayers begin. Lord, how do I begin to, to tell them the gospel? How do I begin to share with them who you are and what you have done? Right. If you say, oh, no, I know they're a believer. Well, then you're there to help move them closer and deeper into him and probably there to help them find out what's gifted on the inside of them. You're there to kind of spotlight stuff and kind of hold a light on who they are. Does that make sense? So with that, let's go back here. We've been looking at this, <clears throat> but it says in um, 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 16, Paul writes, he says, but thanks be to God who put the same earnest care for you into the heart of Titus. Now, for those who don't know, Paul, the apostle, had two spiritual sons, two sons in the faith. One of them was Titus, and one of them was a man by the name of Timothy. And we're going to go over to Timothy, and, or look at a little aspect of Timothy in just a minute. But they were the two men who were closest to Paul. And what I want to make sure we're saying, and, and y'all just be praying that I get this out well, is because now I want to move forward from, okay, well, who is in your heart to then, well, how do I know who God is putting in my heart? How many of you had that question yet? Okay, Brad, that sounds all great. God's going to put somebody in my heart. How do I know who they are? Right? Because sometimes what happens is if we're not careful, um, we, we can edit people off because we can say, well, not them. <laughs> Does that make sense? Because sometimes what happens is, is, is it's, there, it's too, how do you say, it would, be, it would seem too common, right? Uh, many times I've found that we have this um, thing with God where we believe the more spectacular, the more out there, the more outside of ourselves it seems to be, well, that must be God because that's completely like way over there. Right? But when it would, we would look at it and go, well, duh, yeah, those people should be in my heart. We kind of go, well, that must not be God because that's just too obvious. Thank you. Yeah, that's just too obvious. It needs to be more cryptic or mystic or it needs to be yeah, hard or it needs to be like God brought this person. I don't even know who they are, but I can see their face. And one day I'm going to walk down the street and I'll see them. And, and that's how I'll know who... <laughs> Who God is, right? Well, well, let's look at this. You know, so again, here we've been using it as a text, and, and Paul says, Thanks be unto God who put the same care in Titus for you that I have. Now, here's some obvious things we see there. They all knew each other. See, Paul and Timothy were connected, but also Paul and I'm sorry, Paul and Titus were connected. But Paul and Titus knew who the Corinthians were. Because you understand that one of the reasons why you're connected to other people is so that you have a touch point for the people that God's going to put in your heart. It's very rare that God will bring a complete stranger out of nowhere into your heart. Typically, they, they're already connected to somebody you know. Do you see that? See, Titus... Had God put the Corinthians in Titus's heart, but he was connected to Paul, who was connected to the Corinthians. So, so you start by looking at your already known connections. Don't start by looking on the outside way out there. Right? Start by looking at those you're already connected to. And don't be surprised that it'll be those people that God puts in your heart. Does that make sense? You know, I used to travel with Brother Hagin some, as I've said, and I was always amazed. You know, we'd be doing these Holy Ghost meetings and stuff, and Brother Hagin would have a word of knowledge or a word of wisdom or a spiritual type of prophecy type thing, and he would call out these people, and I would always stand there, and I was running camera, and I'm like, well, God, he's calling out all of his buddies, right? You know, he'd look, and these are all the people who they came to all the meetings, Right, they were always there. They were, you know, Pastor so and so, or Brother so and so, or Evangelist so and so, and 
And I was always, I felt prey to the same thing I'm, I'm trying to warn you against. I'd be like, well, that doesn't seem very spiritual or supernatural because they're all buddies. And God said, well, yeah, duh, son. They know each other. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm talking to him about people that he knows because they're connected. That's the way I do that. It's very rare that he goes, you in the blue shirt in the back. The, it can happen, but it was exceedingly rare, right? Where you would just point out some random person you did not know at all. Because listen to me, the, the things of God move through your current connections. God wants to move through you through the people you're already connected with. Many times we talk ourselves out of the supernatural because we're looking for you in the back that I don't know in the blue shirt. Right, I'll pick on Jacob today since he's a guest. You with the cross of Lorraine tattooed on your neck. Yes, you. I mean, uh, that, God rarely does that. He might. He normally nudges you and go, yeah, your friend, go talk to them. Yeah, your coworker, go talk to them. Yeah, your mother-in-law. Yeah, her, go talk to her. Right? Y'all looking at me all right? You see this? So, there's, so pay attention to your current connections. Let God talk to you about the people you're already connected to. Don't expect to go reach the foreigner if you're not willing to reach the neighbor. Don't expect God to give you words of wisdom for somebody you don't know if you won't talk to the person you do know. Oh, come on now. Y'all look at me real good. Right? Don't expect God to go deep with a stranger with you if you won't go deep with the person that's your friend. Exactly. <laughs> That's exactly right, Kurt. Yeah, it's sometimes it seems, we seem like, and when we, I've heard people say that, well, it's better to, easier to go talk to a stranger than a friend because they don't know who I am, you know, or something. But the thing is, we don't talk to strangers either. So, so, so you end up talking to nobody. That's, that's what I've noticed, right? We, we, we all end up going, oh, well, they don't know me. I don't want to be weird. And then we look at the other ones. Oh, well, they know me. I don't want to be weird. And, <laughs> And so I just sit, sit here and be quiet. And, and, and the good news and gospel and the word never exits our mouth. See, the things of God, it always begins close to home and works its way out. That's why, again, you know, Jesus said, or it was, yeah, it was Jesus said, you know, in, in Acts chapter 8, when he said, wait and receive power that you'll become a witness of me. And then he does this neat little concentric ring thing in Jerusalem and then Judea, and then Samaria, and then to the othermost parts of the earth. And that little pattern of connected rings is important to pay attention because the power of God always begins at home and works its way out. It never skips home and goes out to the world and never comes back. Ministers are people who try to do that. They never survive. People who want to take the power of God to the ends of the earth, but they haven't brought the power of God to home yet. You don't hear about them anymore. Does that make sense? Right? If they jump out. So it all, everything begins with those I know and who I know now. That's why we say, so we begin by saying, okay, Lord, put into my heart. Who have you put into my heart from here? From those that I know. Uh Uh-oh, here she comes. So I just want to encourage us in our own families. Um, it's two ways, right? The other night, Selah had a word for me. This is my 11-year-old talking to mama because she noticed something. Mm. And then she made her heart available to Holy Spirit. And Holy Spirit gave her a word for me. And boy, was it ever in season. Amen. But as a parent, sometimes you can go, mm-hmm. oh, she's so cute. She's 11 and just that was so sweet. And miss it. Instead of going, that was a word from God for me. So I feel like if we're not careful, familiarity breeds contempt. Or, you know, we're just so familiar. It's just Brad. Like, he can talk to me all the time. But there's a pastoral gift in him. And I need to listen. Right? Or um, for the kids. If they, you know, if I have something that I really want to share to them. Well, it's just mama. Mama shares with us all the time. So it's almost like because we're sharing 
and mm-hmm. speaking to those that are around us, we have to learn to honor the gift yeah. that is in them, mm-hmm. that God put in there. And we need to honor the word yeah. and give it that honor in the sense that it's not like, oh, I'm honoring. But I'm honoring the fact that he's got his pastor hat on right now mm. when he spoke to me. Right? Or for Selah, I'm honoring that that was a word from God. Yeah. Um, and for them, that was a word from God through my mother. You know, and it's okay to say, I just really feel like the Lord's leading me to tell you this, yeah. son. Right? <laughs> and I know that that sounds weird because that's just inside the yeah. family. But if we can practice inside the family, yeah. and of course, among siblings. I mean, well, it's just my sister. It's just my brother. Of course we fight. Of course we... Whoa, whoa. They can also hear from God for you. Mm. And so just bringing that into that. Yeah. I feel like if we paint the picture inside the family, then this year will be so much easier because, um, you know, sometimes if I have a word for Penny, who's a friend of mine from before they ever came to church here, um, I could think, well, Lord, she's just going to think that I'm saying mm. that just because I know her and I'm her friend. That's a real thought, okay? Yeah. It's happened several times. And yet you go, oh, okay, whatever she thinks, it's whatever, but I'm going to go ahead and share it anyway. Yeah. And then it's like, oh, that's God's confirmation for me. And you're like, yeah. oh, thank you, Lord. So there are some things you might have to step over, you know, hang-ups and stuff, and that's normal, but just step over them because this is where it starts. Yeah, absolutely. No, and that's very good. Uh, you have to, again, on the family aspect, or even from from physical families to church families, right? It's the whole, um, there is a voice of God inside the people you're connected to for you. And you are a voice of God for them. Does that make sense? Like Charlie is the voice of God of happiness for us. I love Charlie. Look at old little buddy. That's okay. He just woke up from a nap having to listen to me. And so I would cry too. No, it's just, that's a joke. But does that make sense? Does that make sense? So pay attention because there's people, because sometimes, uh, and Selena said a very familiar thing, uh, you know, if y'all heard the phrase, you know, familiarity breeds contempt, right? Remember, well, only if you're contemptible, right? But what happens is, is it can be easy to go, oh, that's just whoever. Oh, that's just my wife. Oh, that's just my husband. Oh, that's just my kid. Oh, that's just my friend. Oh, that's just my, right. Oh, that's just so-and-so. And and, and don't, uh, we have to be on guard of treating each other as common. We're not mere men. We are not mere men with each other. Right, and as and as you are connected to people, as you get connected in, in family connections and church connections, as you can begin to... I mean, again, so how many of you men would join me to say that God sent you your wife? Anybody else be willing, bold enough to say that, that God did that good? Y'all please raise your hand. This is when you raise your hand. Okay. No. <laughs> right. And so. <laughs> I took it up good. And say hallelujah. And say hallelujah. That's right. Hallelujah. Right. Or how many wives could say, yep, God brought me my husband. Right. How many of you can say, well, God gave me my kids. Right. How many of you can say, well, God brought me to this church family? Right. That God, then you understand that when you say things like that, that you have to understand, oh, then they speak to me from him too. Because sometimes we can miss that point. Right. Because we have to realize, well, well, if God, if I can say God has connected me to a person, then there's things in that person that God wants to put into me and there's things in me that God wants to put into that person. Right. right? And that's why we have to move deeper in life. Cause I mean, you've heard me say this before. How many of you know people that they just go to church, but they're just not connected. How many of you, you were that person one time you went there, but you really weren't connected. Right. Do you understand that? It, and that's probably why you didn't get anything from there. Sorry. I'll just, does it, you understand? That's why you hear people say, well, you know, it's just not, they're not feeding me. Have you ever heard that? That's my favorite church excuse. Well, I'm just not, I'm not getting fed there. Right. And I have to say, oh, well, then you've disconnected. Well, it's not so much you're putting effort and you've disconnected. It'd be like little Charlie 
if he got mad at the bottle and go, well, you're just not feeding me anymore, bottle. Right, I, you, used to, you used to feed me bottle, but now bottle, you don't feed me anymore bottle. When everybody go, well, you got to put the bottle in your mouth and be connected for the bottle to feed you. And many times when people go, I'm not getting fed there anymore, I'm like, well, last week you seemed like you were getting fed, and this week you're seeming like you're not getting fed. So who disconnected? I'm just going to drop that one right there just real quick, okay? They understand there's, there's, there's connection is important, but we have to move people to a place of connection, right? Because a lot of times in the church world, we attend places. All kind, we, sometimes we attend places historically. I go to that church because grandpappy, grandmammy, whoever, mama, daddy, uncle, aunt, we always gone there, right? So we go to places historically, right? We go to places what's called pragmatically, Oh, well, I like their program. They do this well. They do. They got a good kids program. They got a good youth program. They got a good this program, the other program. They got this other program, and and I like the programs they offer. Okay, well that's you're you're going there pragmatically. So whether it's historically or pragmatically, right? You have to move to a place of connection. Because if I don't move from whatever might have initially brought me somewhere to a place of connection then I won't receive the fullness of Adam. Does that make sense? So they're, they're, the connecting point is so huge, and the reason why is, is because it's from that places of connection that God will give you your people. Am I, am I saying this all right? Is this making yes. sense this morning? Amen. You have to understand. So when you say, God, you're saying, Lord, you're leading me, you're guiding me to do stuff, then, then I instantly know I'm there for people. I mean, y'all kind of know, and I'll share this, uh, in line, and I want to move forward just a little bit without too much more time. But you know, we've had a change in our household with right now with where my my working is coming from. Y'all have heard me that I'm now up at Bailey's Bakery, right? And opportunities come. Well, I've learned that as wonderful as opportunities are, right? That God gives you, for example, employment opportunities, right? Well, I have learned to sit there and say, okay, God, well, if I can say you brought an opportunity here. It's really about the people more than anything else. So why are you connecting me to a place? Who is there that I'm supposed to be there for? And sure, there's the money issue. Great. I mean, answer the money questions. But if I can encourage you, please don't chase money. Does that make sense? That's a whole other conversation for a whole other day. But you have to be careful because you can connect yourself to a spirit that Jesus said was named Mammon. And that's still a relational connection. Versus, okay, God might be leading you. And so I've learned in my own life that when God leads me, it's about, Lord, there are people there. And so you are bringing this opportunity to me more because of the people than anything else. So why am I there? Who am I there for? And okay, yes, I know we got to talk the logistics of well, how much they're going to pay you, what's the hours, what's the responsibilities. I get it. There's some, there's some life that has to happen. But I've learned to say, if God, you're moving me, you're moving me for the sake of people more than you're moving me for the sake of money or you're moving me for the sake of opportunity. Does that, does that make sense? Yeah. Again, I'll tell you the story. Again, we lived in Canada, as many of you know, for 10 years. We bought our first home, Selena and I did, a little town home. And, uh, and we were there. I mean, just to give you encouragement, we're here. We bought a three-bedroom, two-bath, like 1,500 square foot. Is that what it was? Or 2,000? Maybe a little less. Anyway, not, not bigger than 1,500 for $310,000. Post it with a little bit. That was that, and that was that was cheap to get into. So yeah, I just paint some pictures so y'all can go. Wow, thank you, Jesus. We live in Alabama, where we can do all kinds. You know, I mean, if y'all have been to my house, the house that I live in now with Selena there in Fultondale, uh, that's almost a million and a half dollars now in Vancouver to buy that house. So just to give you some encouragement, just to to go, thank you, Jesus. We live here in the United States. That's amazing. And so anyway, but we were there and we bought this house and we'd been in about a year or something. And as real estate is do, I come home one day from the church office and in the door is a little flyer 
that says homes in your neighborhood have sold. And it said for like $340,000 or $60,000 or something like that. And I'm like, wow, we paid three ten. It was just a year ago. I can sell it. And they were selling it for three. I was like forty, fifty thousand dollars $50,000. I'm like, sweet. And I'm like, say, we should sell the house, right? We can make $50,000. And about the time I'm getting that out of my mouth and my heart, the Holy Spirit says, well, what about, and he starts naming my neighbors. What about Mark and Linda? What about Linda and Roderick? What about Christina Gobio and her boys and her husband? What about your single mom neighbor and the two teenage girls that are right there? Right? What about, and he starts listing people. He says, if you go, what happens to them? And it stopped me dead cold. And I said, say, forget that. (laughs) We can't move. (laughs) Because there's still people here that God has. Does It was a tight-knit neighborhood, but I want to sit there and say, was it just a tight-knit neighborhood? I mean, guys, do you understand the scripture says that God lays out the boundaries of your habitation? He lays out the property, the Lord. If we really say he is Lord and he is Savior, then as we go, we have to say, Lord, what are the boundaries of my territory? Because your word tells me that you lay out the boundaries of my territory. Right, but that's not just so that I can possess something. That's 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 people. You lay out the boundaries of my influence. You lay out the boundaries of the connections of my world. Does that make sense? Hello, are, are, are you with me? Okay, is this is this helpful at all? This, you know, that, that goes. So when we think about this, I want you to be thinking this way. There, it's about who, more than what, more than where. More than when, it's about who. Who has God connected you to? Who has God put in your heart? Amen. So now with that, to move forward real quick, it says, so, but thanks be to God who puts the same earnest care for you. Right? How do I know when people are coming into my heart? Because I want the same care for them as the people that are connected to them. Now, I'm going to move forward into this and, and parallel this a little bit with church life. Is that okay? Some of it for some practical teaching for us as a church family, but some of it, I hope, and, and help me if it does, as an example of what this can look like. Right? So again, remember that Paul the Apostle's writing, Paul was an apostle, which means he was a church planter. Right? So Paul was uh, one who went out and established churches. Titus was one of his team pastors, so to speak. And, and here we can say it like this. How do you know God's putting somebody in your heart when you have the same care for them as the leader does? Right? Does that make sense? When, when you have, when there's, when there, when you can look and go, I got, I care for you. I mean, we talk about our church family. That's one of the jobs that I have is to help inspire you guys on how to care for one another. How do I do that? By me caring for you. Right? Can I just be honest? When it looks around and go, well, how do you, I know somebody, God's put somebody in my heart. When you can look up and go, well, wow, Brad needs some help caring for people. Because he just can't get to everybody. Right? So, but he's cared for me, so I know how to care for them. And there's the putting of the same level of care inside people. Does that make sense? Are you with, are you with me? You know. Again, what does that look like? I mean, you come up to me and say, hey, Brad, I'm, and we had this happen. Hey, uh, we were going to come to church today, but we're going to go over here and visit so-and-so. So we'll miss the service. And, and I go, okay, great. That's awesome. Why? Because that's what I would do. Yeah. <laughs> does that make sense? That's what I would do. Hey, I'm going to go over here and visit. Okay, great. That's what I would do. The, the, but you need to look for that. Do you see how this works? Again, the husbands, you understand that's how it works amongst your family, right? I mean, Brother Hagen used to say this. He says, don't play spiritual bluff with people, meaning don't ask people to do something you wouldn't be willing to do yourself. Anytime you ask somebody to do something and you're not willing to do it yourself, that's just spiritual bluff, Right? 
And unfortunately, that's why a lot of pastors don't get a lot of traction with people is they're just playing spiritual bluff. I want you to go out there and visit people. Now, I ain't going. <laughs> I'm not going to do it. I want you, but I want you to go do it. Does that make sense? Amen. Are you with me? Amen. So it's this care. How do I know that God's put somebody? I, there's a level of care that comes into my heart. And typically that level of care I saw in the person who's, who is my leader, whoever that might be. Right? Or again, how do you know as a leader who to, who to spend time with if you own a business or you do something? People who pick up the same level of care. Because that, that kind of level, that's a God thing. Hello, are, are you with me? Amen. Does that make sense? You know, I, sh- I shared a... I don't know how to go. I say, where you go? Hopefully all that. One of my favorite verses in Proverbs is... Uh, and you can keep your finger here. It's in Proverbs chapter 30. Don't want to misquote it. I sent it to somebody the other day. Proverbs 30. I think it's around the 15th. Yeah, the 15th verse. I chuckle. I don't know. I just made This verse is very insightful. It also makes me chuckle, right? So I will chuckle. Hopefully you'll chuckle. It says, the leech <laughs> has two daughters. Anybody ever met a leech before? Mm-hmm. Right? Somebody, you know, there's a good old country phrase that's know you're dealing with a leech. Is you know, gimme, gimme, gimme. My name is Jimmy. Yes. Right? That's a leech, right? Anybody ever met a leech before? So it says, the leech has two daughters. Give and give. <laughs> That's the leech's two kids, two twin sisters, right? Give and give. There are three things that never are satisfied. There are four things that never say enough. The grave, the barren womb, the earth that is in famine or drought, and the fire never says enough. You know, again, you have to we look for that because... As Selena was saying earlier, and, and as we talk about living a life of sacrifice and putting others first, it's easy to identify who to give your life to because they'll care for people like you do. When you see people that you're connected with having the same level of care that you have for other people, then you know God has given you and that other person the same heart for those people. Give those people your time. Give those people your life. We are not talking about giving of yourself to the leech and his two daughters. Give and give. Does that make sense? Because <laughs> there are people that they'll just they'll suck you dry and spit you out. Right? They're like the leech and his two daughters. Right? Just give me, give me, give me. It's never enough, never enough, never enough, never enough, never enough. You never can do enough for them. You never, 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 never. Those people are not in your heart. Hello, come on. Is that, and, don't give, and don't give those people your, your heart. Right? Again, I, I've told you all this before. You know, um, we uh, went through a very rough time in Canada. With, and I'll just be real transparent. You know, my, my father-in-law decided to divorce my mother-in-law after 28 years and walk away from God and church and the ministry and all kinds of fun stuff. Right? And that, that was how I got to be senior pastor for the very first time. It is not recommended, right? I mean, <laughs> it is not necessarily a, a wonderful, um, wonderful way to step into to leadership, right? Uh, in the middle of somebody who threw a hand grenade into the place and blew it up, right? And so, um, but when, when we were all there, and I'm trying to remember where I was going with that. Um, where was I going with that? I lost my train. Huh? Not giving your heart to leech. Oh, that's what it was. Thank you for saying that. So it was, I was doing it because I was looking and struggling as a new and, and I have two pastors in my life. Both, so funny, both of them have the name of Tony and, the, and their last names both start with the letter C. Two different last names, but Pastor Tony and Pastor Tony. So I'm with one Pastor Tony and I'm telling him what's going on and what's just happened. And he looked at me and he goes, well, you know, Brad, one day you're going to die. That's how he starts the conversation. I'm like, oh, great. That's awesome. Wonderful, (laughs) right? One day you're going to die. And he says, and for 30 minutes, they're going to talk about what a great pastor you were. And for the next 30 minutes, they're going to talk about how wonderful this potato salad is. (laughs) 
And he says, and you'll be replaced just about that fast. <laughs> I was like, awesome. I, I'll go pray for that and see what the, what the Lord is saying. And then I'm talking about a week or two later to the other pastor, Pastor Tony C. And we're sitting down. We're actually here in Birmingham. He, he met us and we're sitting down and telling him what's going on. He looked at me and said, well, Brand, you know, one day you're going to die. And now I'm like going, Lord, is this like prophetic? Like, I mean, you know, which way he goes, one day you're going to die. And he says, and they're going to put you in a box and there's going to be all kinds of people gathered around. He says, but there'll be some men there. He says, uh, and those men will take your kids fishing. And those men will mow your grass. And those men will make sure your wife is cared for. He says, give those people your life and give everybody else your ministry. And I didn't realize at the time what he was talking about is, is about level of care. How do you know who God has put in your heart? There is a same God-given level of care. That you can look up and go, they care for them like I care for them. That's how I know who God has put in my heart. That's how I know who to give my life to. Does that make sense? You have to understand that apparently in the life of Jesus, that was mirrored. You know, Jesus had 12 dudes. Y'all have heard me say that. The 12 boys, right? The 12 disciples, right? Well, apparently there was a different levels of care. How did Jesus consistently go, Peter, James, John, you're with me. Everybody else, stay out there. Even though they were all tight. Now, did Jesus love them all? But there was a different level of responsive care from those three that let Jesus know you, you, and you, yeah, we got the same heart. I can do something with you that I can't do with the others. Not because I don't love them and not because they don't love me, but because there's a level of heart care. We know that. And I said, well, how do you know that? How do you, how do you prove that? Uh, you, you prove that through John, the one that loved Jesus the most. Because on one side, John was the only one that stuck it out. Everybody else ditched Jesus, right? And John hung in there, like we'd say here in the South, hung in there like a hair in a biscuit, right? And he stuck in there to the point where he, Jesus looks up from the cross and says, son, behold your mother, and mother, behold your son. Because there's a level of care that is identified. Does that make sense? And that's how you know who this help you. This is helps you know who God's putting in your heart because you'll have the same level of care. There'll be a level of care that's there. There'll be a level of this. Go to Philippians. I'm look at this man. Did not get near as far as I thought it would today, but that's all right. Um, Philippians chapter two, because remember I said Paul had two people. Paul had Titus, and Paul had Timothy. Right now, again, here, here's going to be an interesting thing as we learn and look at this kind of stuff. Uh, and this is, and everybody look at me and say, this is going to be okay. This is going to be okay. All right. You'll notice that there are very small numbers of people. Oh, thank you for saying that. Right. <laughs> right. It's not like, well, Paul said, well, you know, I got these 250 people over here. And, and they care like I do. <laughs> so I say that to say as you look at this and you're identifying. Now, please hear me. How many people do we love? Everybody. 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 Like good old Bodie Botcom says, we love everybody, everywhere. Right? So we, we love everybody. Right? Everybody, everywhere, we love them all. Just like Jesus did. Right? Did Jesus love everybody? Yes. Everybody shake your head. Yes, Jesus loved everybody. Right? Did Jesus give his mama to everybody? No. Did, did Jesus go and do special things with everybody? No. No. Again, just imagine if you weren't Peter, James, and John, and you're there and you're one of the 12, you're in there, you're in the inner circle, and Jesus turns around and goes, You, 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 but not you, Brad. <laughs> and you're like, Hey, how come they're the three amigos? How come they. It, and I need you to say, it's okay, it's okay. to be exclusive wow. with your heart. Not exclusive with your love. 
Jesus wasn't exclusive with his love. Jesus wasn't exclusive with his goodness. Remember, we covered that a number of weeks ago, right? Uh, we talked about this earlier when you said, aren't you glad that God doesn't want you to be perfect? Yeah. Right now, you understand that, but he did ask you to be perfect, yeah. right? But he just defined perfection as uh, distribution of goodness. Remember in Matthew chapter five, at the end, Jesus says, he talks about how that be like your father who is in heaven, who sends the rain on the just and the unjust who causes the sun to shine on the wicked and the good. Therefore, be perfect as he is perfect. So the perfection we are called into is is a perfection of goodness. That our goodness is to be for all. I am to be good to all. I am to love all. Right? I am to do good to all. Right? But I am not to give my heart to all. Nor am I to let all come into my heart. Do y'all see the difference? And and the Lord will put people into your heart and and, and you in their heart, right? But don't be shocked if that's not a whole lot. This is where we talked about, I think it was last week, this is where we have to be careful about this whole false transcendency of the crowd, right? Because I can't have the multitude in my heart. That's just impossible. I, I can't have everybody in my heart at the same level. Right? That's why I have to let the Lord lead and guide and show who have you put in your heart. Yes. Now, it's, it's all right. Yes. Now, when God puts somebody in your heart, okay, this is now where we're crossing into what Selena was saying. Be ready to give all. For those people, remember that's like what Pastor Tony C. told me. Hey, son, one day you're going to die, right? And around your box is going to be gathered some people. But some of those people are going to have a level of care that the others won't. They're going to show up in a way that the others won't. Who Identify those people and give them your life. Give them more. Give them extra. Go farther for them. Why? Because they're in your heart. God put them in your heart. Does that make sense? You got, you got look at, again, you can't do that with everybody. But you need to do it for somebody. Right? And when you can identify who that is, man, I'm just going to encourage you. Go, all, go whole hog. Go all in. I'm there. Does that make sense? Now, can I just be real transparent and real practical? Right? This, you're going to try an error. Yeah. Amen? You are. You're, you're going to go and you're going to, hopefully I'm inspiring this in you. And you're like, yeah, God's going to give me some people. Yeah. And you're going to go, I think it's so-and-so over there. And you go and you do it and they let you down. Right? And, you, and then don't be upset. And don't go, well, I'm never doing that again. <laughs> right? Tried that once. That didn't work. No, you just go, oh, oh, okay. Not them. I'm going to talk over here on the side of the room. Do you understand? Or not like that. But sometimes, you know, it's, it's, it's just not them. And that's okay. Yeah, absolutely. Well, and some of those people, there may, and there's seasonal people that might be that way, Kurt. That the, the Lord puts you there and it's for a season. I'll give you that. Mm-hmm. And it's okay to let that be, be seasonal. But don't stop. What I've seen so many people fail to do is, because what I'm asking us to consider is real opportunity to be hurt. Mm-hmm. Okay? Can I and just be real bold? I'm not going to lie to you, right? right? It, it, it's real opportunity for disappointment. It's real opportunity to be let down. It's real opportunity for pain. And what we normally do is we all go, no, I shall not be hurt. I shall insulate myself. You know, and, and, and the best analogy I've heard, and it really is, is it's, it, it, you know, again, it's, it's like copper wiring, like electrical wires. You know, anybody ever played with like electrical wires in a good sense, not like bad, but like in a good sense, right? And so, but you know, so what, what is around, what is around the copper wire? Yeah. 
Insulation, normally like a plastic or a rubberized insulation. Why is that there? So you don't get hurt, right? But if you actually want to connect it to something, what do you have to do? You have to remove the insulation because if you don't remove the insulation, no power can flow. I'm going to say that one time because some of y'all missed that. If you don't remove the insulation, no power can flow. But every time you remove the insulation from your heart, you run the risk of getting shocked. But you've got to have that insulation removed so you can connect so that power can flow. Yeah, twist it and get, get more power. And that is the power of corporate anointing. Right. But I say that because most people in the Christian world, we all, and it's a new buzzword, right? It's called church hurt. Anybody ever heard of church hurt? Right. It's church hurt. And I love it. It's this new thing. Oh, oh, them, they have church hurt. Right. You know, there's church hurt out there. And I, hey, I've, have you ever been hurt by a church? Anybody ever been hurt? Can I just go ahead and say this? Uh, you're probably going to get hurt by this church. Yeah. Right. You know what? I'm. I'm probably going to do it. And can I just go, I'm sorry. I'm just going to say it right now. Uh, hey, I'm sorry. If, if I, please know it's unintentional. Please know I, I didn't mean to. Right? Please know it, it's, sometimes they do, Miss Eloise. I don't, 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 I don't deny it. I've been there too. Sometimes, huh? Just keep in mind, sometimes it's intentional. I, I, I'm with you. You know, again, we've talked about this before. You know, here's the challenge note. It says, the Bible says, faithful are the wounds of a friend. Right? Just sometimes people forget, oh, we weren't friends. Right? I mean, I just, <laughs> right? all I did was just wound you, uh, but I forgot we weren't friends yet. And so I had to build that friend part so that my wound would be faithful. Uh, so... <laughs> And so that's what I endeavor to do as I lead people is I, I want to be your friend where that way if, if I ever wound you, I, I really meant for it to be faithful. Yeah. I, I wounded you out of faithfulness to you, yeah. not because I was just a jerk, I hope. Yeah. Does that make sense? But, 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 on, but on one side is, you know, there's this thing we have to get over the fear of church hurt. Yeah. We've got to get over the fear of those mean old Christians Right? Got me. Yeah, they can, but you got to get over that. Right? And you got to say, Lord, I'll open my heart up one more time. Lord, I'll give myself one more time. Because the one thing I've learned is, is that, uh, that if I ever was hurt by somebody, I've learned to see it as a success because it meant I got close. It meant I was close enough to be hurt. I, I was open and bare enough that, that they could poke me, that they could get me. And I've learned even in the pain of that, the Lord, that's what, that's what, imagine you. Oh my God. Right? Imagine our Savior who came and laid his whole self bare. Right? And said, I don't care how bad you hurt me. I came here to be hurt. I came here to be close enough to you to be hurt. I came here to, to bear that because you, you needed someone that close. Because we all have a habit of wanting to live in this place of insulation where you just can't get at me. And, um, and we got to not live that way anymore. Now, again, you, you heard me. You can't do that for everybody. But you need to do it for somebody. You need to let God put somebody in your heart. You need to identify who that somebody is. You need to then begin to say, okay, Lord, once I know who that is, I'm going to begin to strip off the insulation. I'm going to be, as Selena said, I'm going to strip off the insulation of, of ego and self-centeredness and my opinion and my way and my thing. Right? Right? Sometimes as men, I, I'm going to strip off that, that, that I'm tough, I'm this, I'm whatever, and I'm, I'm going to strip it off, and I'm going, to, I'm going to bear the wire of my heart.
because it's the only chance the Holy Spirit has to lock into the heart of another one and transmit something into them and them into me, right? Amen. So I just say that. So where did I tell you to go? Philippians, is that where we're at, Chris, right? Somewhere like that. Somewhere like that. Somewhere like that. Is this all good? Y'all give me a few more minutes to look at this and then next week we'll move further. But it says, here again, I told you Paul had two people. He had Titus and he had Timothy, right? Here in the Philippians church, it says in verse, uh, chapter 2, verse 19, Paul says, But I trust in the Lord Jesus to send Timothy to you shortly, that I also may be encouraged when I know of your state. Because, verse 20, I have no one like-minded who will sincerely care for your state as he does. Man, how do you know when somebody's in your heart? You're like-minded, right? There's a like-mindedness to you in this person, right? Again, not, not, not saying clone. I'm not saying copycat. I'm saying you're like-minded, right? It, it, it's, and I love this, and we'll talk about it. it. It's who is in your life enough and close enough that you could send them as yourself, do you have somebody in your life that you're close enough, you're like-minded enough, you have the same level of care enough like Paul? Paul had these two men in his life, and he could send them as himself. Did you read that? That's what he says. He says, man, I'm praying, I'm trusting in the Lord that I'm going to send Timothy to you, Philippians, shortly, because then I'm going to know of your condition, the state of your heart, but basically, by sending Timothy, I'm sending myself. Because there's nobody so much like me as Timothy is. And wouldn't it be nice to have a friend like that? Wouldn't it be nice to have somebody that, that you, you, you were so like-minded that you could look around and go, no, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to send Kevin. Because if I send Kevin, it's just like sending me. It's just like if I sent you Kevin, it'd be like sending me. You'd, you'd get the same. There, there's a like-mindedness there. Amen. Do you know that's, the world is starving for that kind of connection? Do you know the church has got a deficiency of that kind of connection? Right. <laughs> Hello, are you with me? The church is like programmed. If I can just meddle just a little bit. Right. But we're not like-minded. Right, we're like programmed. How do you know that? Because that's what, you know, I'm going to pick, I'm going to pick just a little bit. I'm just picking just a little bit, okay? Everybody say, Brad loves me. He's my friend. Everybody just go ahead and say that. Say, Brad loves me. He's my friend. Right, because you know that because people call you and say, do you have an XYZ at your church, Pastor Brad? And I'm like, well, yeah, yeah, yeah. Or sometimes no. Oh. And I'm like, oh, okay, like program. You know what I've learned about liked programmed stuff in church is that people who come for the program will leave for the program. And if I can't move people from being connected to me by the program, right? I've seen it over 20 something years of doing pastoral ministry. Now here's the common one. And so please, I have all my little pastoral caveats. I, this is common. This is as common as dirt, right? Did people, Pastor Brad, Pastor Brad. Y'all have a good kids program at your church? And I'm like, well, yeah, we got a kids program. We do something, right? I mean, I, every church I have, we got something, yeah. right? Awesome, right? Great, good, okay, cool. And I've seen it, you know, and they come and they'll go, oh, Pastor Brad, Pastor Brad, Pastor Brad, your kids program is amazing. It's awesome. My kids learn so much. They're so excited to come to church. It's so good. You know, and, and I'm like, and I, and I go, oh, praise God. And on the inside, I'm like going, oh, man, if I don't move them to get connected to people, then it'll be, it's a ticking clock. Because I've seen it in 20-something years. They'll come up to me and say, we know, Pastor Brad, kids program isn't what it used to be. Or my kids are now, you know, and it's not what it used to be, Pastor Brad. It's just, you know, I'm just so disappointed. It just, it breaks my heart. Now, come on, can I just speak? I'm meddling just a little bit, right? You know, 
And that's normally when I have to put my big boy, Kevin, you big boy pastor britches on. I have to say, so you're going to let the spiritual direction of your household be driven by an eight-year-old. And they look at me blinkingly and like, well, 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 what do you mean? I said, so because you're saying the kids are driving. As, as long as the kids are driving and everybody's happy, we'll, we'll go somewhere. I said, I, just, I mean, this is fine, but you did, I can't, I gotta love you enough to tell you the kids are driving. Right? Amen. Does, you know, <laughs> does that make sense? It's like, you know, remember having kids and, and a long road trip, you know, you can't let them drive and you can't stuff them in the trunk, right? You can't, you know, <laughs> you gotta have the right seat in the car. But I say that to say, but I've seen that with not just kids, I've seen that with youth programs, because here's the thing. Well, what happens, it was an amazing kids program, but maybe our, our youth program stinketh. Right? Well, what happens when the youth program stinketh? Well, you know, you did really good with kids, Pastor Brad, but you just must not care about young people. Right? And then they come up to you, well, then you got a good youth program, and well, now your college and career program, it stinketh too. And then, and do you see what I'm saying? And, and we have to be careful because at some point you have to move in your church life from being program-centered to people-centered. Right? So that when God moves you, because God will, God will move you as you grow. God will move you that you know who you're moving for, not what you're moving for. Can that just, that just is okay? Did I handle that okay? Say, does that, I didn't, nobody felt picked on or nothing like that too bad or nothing. So, uh, but I mean, it's in the church world, right? And, it, and it's why so many Christians, they're untethered in life is because they are what centered, not who centered. They've never answered the question, Lord, who are you connecting me to? Who will I be plugged into? Now, please hear me. And I know you say this. I'm not talking about occultism, right? If I ever get up here and say something off the wall, stupid, like I'm super awesome and y'all should worship me, hopefully everybody stands up in mass and leaves, right? Does that make sense? Or if I ever get up here and say something dumb, like Jesus isn't Lord, right? He didn't die for your sin. Then you stand up and you're out the door. I mean, please. So we're not talking about occultism. But we are talking about, do you know who God's connecting you to? Do you know to whom you belong? Not just this way vertically, but this way horizontally. Right? John said that in his first letter in the first verses. He says, I thank God that our fellowship is with him and with each other. God wants to connect you to people. Right, He wants to get people into your life and, it, and we'll maybe look at this in this concentric ring of connection so that there are people in your life that are so close that you are like-minded and like-hearted and, 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 and there, right? And y'all are working and feeding and moving and, and then serving the Lord together. Who is that? And I say that because most people in our current culture, our church culture especially, they don't have that. They don't have that kind of relationship and care. They've not experienced that yet in Christ. Right? And, and they're searching and hungry for it. That's right. Amen. Does that make sense? All right. Well, we better land the plane there. Well, let me do it. Verse 21. And here's why. It ties right back to what Selena started us with. For all seek their own and not the things which are of Christ. Right, so the defining question of how do I know who these people are is am I and my people, are we seeking our own? Right, are we seeking our own? It's like Selena was saying, am, am, I, am I seeking what's about my opinion or my thoughts or my way? Right, Paul said, man, I got nobody else. Now, even in Paul's life, you realize he boiled it down to Timothy. He said, I've only got Timothy. There's no one as like-minded as Timothy as I am, who his heart is for Christ in you, not for himself. Right? And that's the heart. It's this matter of, okay, Lord, when you're connecting me to people, it's not about that I can have my little, little huddle of groupies. Right? Here are my little, my little minions. 
of ministry minions that are running around, the little Brad worshipers or whatever. You know what I mean? It's not that. But it's like, here's, here's the group of people you brought in my life, and we are Christ-minded. We are Christ-minded for the people of our world. We are like-minded for Christ's sake. Does that make sense? Now we can do something. And you got to think about that. I mean, it's the now imagine what Paul did with the Timothy. Right, Paul, he, and we're going to read it over there. Paul sent these men out. And, he, and, he, and there, was a, there was a multiplication factor that happened for the good of the kingdom because people got connected.